This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Let's do it. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the first Dojo Live of the month. Today is Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021. I'm Tulia Sergusa, broadcasting from Southern California, and joining me today are Carlos Ponce in Cuernavaca, Mexico, and Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico. And we have our guest, Matt Britton, who's the CEO of Suzy from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn's in the house. You okay. know it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Only an ex-New Yorker can get away with saying things like that. So it's good to have you with us and welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, consumer insights and market research and uh, everything that goes behind that. But before we get into the topic of conversation and introduce the topic of conversation, let's get to know our guest a little bit. Uh, Matt, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So as you mentioned, I live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I have three kids. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia and went to school in Boston and now have lived in New York for the last 20 years. So a lifelong Northeasterner and East Coaster. Um, I love to travel. I love to go hiking with my son and be outdoors as much as possible, especially before it gets freezing out. Um, and I've been working in the field of uh, consumer insights, consumer marketing, really my whole career. Very nice. Yes, I don't miss the weather, I have to say. Uh, but it's an awesome place, all the New Yorkers. It's as real as sure you So thanks for being with us. So tell us thanks a little bit about Suzy. Yeah, Suzy. Su yeah, Suzy is an enterprise uh, SaaS software platform uh, that allows uh, large companies to essentially conduct market research on demand. Um, it's powered by a network of over a million uh, U.S. consumers who are on an always-on gamified platform called CrowdTap, where they're incentivized for answering questions. Um, Suzy sits on top of the CrowdTap platform and is used by our customers to ask those questions to uh, you know, specify groups of our large panel. And th the magic really comes in the speed and simplicity of the research, really turning everybody in a large company into a market researcher so they can leave no assumption untested and really put the consumer at the center of every decision they make. So just not to oversimplify, but it's an engagement platform for consumer insight. Did I get that? Well, right? it's it, to oversimplify, it's a it's market research software. It connects the Got asker, it. which are these large companies, with the tellers, which is this network of a, a million consumers. Um, and you can target those consumers by a variety of census-based criteria and get answers back instantly. So for example, if, if you're rolling out um, a new brand of um, laundry detergent, and you want to know what packaging that people who buy laundry detergent will like the most, you can put photos of the three of them you're looking at targeted towards those people and get answers back during the same Zoom meeting where you're discussing which packaging to roll out with. So there's thousands of use cases, but the reality is that most decisions that are made at large companies are done by guesswork with no data behind it. And Suzy allows yeah. um, you know, each user to put the power of the consumer at their fingertips. Wow. Love it. So I love the facilitation. Let's go right into it. Uh, Kim, could you please introduce the topic? Sure, Ken. Thank you, Tulio. Thank you for being here, Matt. Thanks for having so me. Today's yeah, the topic as chosen by you is democratizing market research and consumer insights. 
How can brands constantly stay on the pulse of all consumers during their ever-changing world we are living in? So my question for you is, going back to this idea of democratizing, I think a lot of it goes and connects to what you just mentioned, this panel of consumers, correct? So yeah, we but have when, a when we say democratizing, um, what we really mean by that is democratizing within large companies because the, the function of market research within large organizations has often been closely held by a core consumer insights group. And in order for any business decision maker to, to conduct research, they've had to go to this group who then goes to a third party agency to conduct research. And the problem with that model is it's slow and inefficient. Uh, decisions in business need to come faster than ever before. And everybody throughout an organization should be able to talk to consumers for every micro decision they make during the day. So when we say democratizing, it really is democratizing the power of the consumer within all aspects of a large organization. But in the same token, I think this is where you are going. It also democratizes the notion of brand because now the consumers have a voice and the consumers can easily help dictate the future of the, of the mm -hmm. products and services these companies roll out. Yeah. What does the panel look like? How do you go about choosing who you're asking these questions to in order to, let's sure. say, guarantee that it's a proper representation. Sure. So on a macro Matt, base I'm sorry, before you answer the question, I just want to quickly tell the audience, if you have a question for Matt, you can send it to us on, at Dojo Live on Twitter, or if you're watching on LinkedIn, I am uh, monitoring the comments on the stream. You can put it right into the comments. You can ask your questions and we will uh, get them to Matt. Thanks. Sorry for yeah. the interruption. Uh, no worries. On a macro basis, we um, census weight the panel across census-based criteria, including um, geography, income, gender, ethnicity, et cetera, to make sure that we have a statistically significant sample size. However, mm -hmm. our customers are able to target by any type of targeting criteria they like, and they can even create their own custom segmentation. So for example, if, you, um, if you're working for an airline, you can target people who have flown your airline before or maybe flown a competitor's airline and create custom mm -hmm. segments and even measure how people answer across your competitive set or your own customer set. So it's really limitless in terms of the ability to target who you're getting the feedback from. Wow. So kind of know who your key persona, your ideal client is, and you can gear toward those people. Yes. Amazing. Correct. Cool. So Matt, um, go ahead, Carlos. You have a question? Just one simple thing. And I'm looking at your website and I'm just curious because you talk about verified consumers. How do you verify a consumer? So we have a sort of patented process that we've rolled out where if you are a user and you sign CrowdTap is our consumer app, that's where you sign up to answer the questions. Um, you actually, when you first sign up, aren't answering questions on behalf of our customers. You're essentially responding to a test that we're giving you internally to make sure you are who you say you are and you're going to be a well-intentioned good actor. Um, you know, that you're not a bot, that you're not going to respond nice. with poor answers. Uh, once you've gone through that test and you don't really know as a user when the test ends and the real customer questions begin, but we know you're verified. And then you start seeing questions on behalf of our customers. So, Matt, yeah, I want right. to unpack, Thank you, unpack this a little bit. So historically, Please. market research, you've got companies that would do surveys, whether they were on the phone or by mail or online. Right. 
And to, to be honest, most of it was not very proactive, right? It's reactive answering after the fact to validate yep. whether they made the right decision. Exactly so you're, right. Still, you're making decisions that are not data-driven, and then you're trying to use data to validate those decisions. Unfortunately, sometimes it pans out. Sometimes it doesn't. Most of the time, it doesn't. So it's a very expensive proposition to and do slow. it the other way. And, and slow. slow. But people, companies didn't have much of a choice. That was what available, better than nothing, right? That's right. So now let's talk about a little bit of the use cases for this. This is sounds proactive, ongoing. I heard a little bit of R&D can use this to validate the packaging or the color yep. or the lettering mm -hmm. or the wording, et cetera. What are some of the key use cases where yeah. this is being used right now very effectively? I'm glad you asked that. So SUSE is really being used across the entire product innovation pipeline. So everything from the innovation uh, function. So they're thinking about what new product should we roll out? What's the next new product or service going to drive growth for our business to what do we call this product? Um, how much should we charge for it? What should the packaging look like? What word should we use to what should the distribution strategy be? So we're testing, uh, you know, how this would sell in a major big box retailer like Walmart, and even testing merchandising displays and things of that nature to testing the advertising that promote the product to testing feedback from existing customers and customer experience. So you look through the entire, um, you know, stage gate or, or, or funnel of pushing a new product out and the consumer needs to be at the center um, of every decision that happens. Cause that can be the difference between pushing out a product that completely flops or a product that, you know, drives massive growth for a company. Um, most companies traditionally have made many decisions throughout that process just by guesswork or by myopic thinking or what they've seen or what they've read and not really talking to the consumers who are ultimately going to be buying the product. So we just want to make sure that the consumer is there every step of the way. I find this really interesting. And I understand, Matt, that you're also, you know, an expert on the millennial generation mm -hmm. that's having obviously a really big impact on Huge. what goods are being produced and what's being purchased right now. And a trend that I see amongst my peers and uh, generations it's really big right now is this idea of two things minimalism mm -hmm. and also sustainability yeah right? um which kind of obviously go to head go head to head with this idea of consumer goods and products but well not seeing... always it, it doesn't always yeah. you know fly in the face of that but yes it's, it's a hugely relevant topic because what i see what Susie's able to do is in some ways less can be more allowing companies to produce what's actually beneficial, what's actually going to sell. And in some ways, this sort of, I don't know, paradox of we can produce goods and still combat things like pollution or encourage minimalism or whatever it might be. Is that what Absolutely. I mean, I mean, market research can do a lot of things and it's as much as what it tells you what to produce as it tells you what not to produce. Um, and a lot of waste is driven in companies putting things out there where there's no demand. And that, you know, that ultimately you can create products that consumers want to buy and focus on sustainability as a core operating principle by just being much more precise um, in terms of, you know, building things and products and services that consumers actually want. So, you know, I think it all plays hand in hand. And I'm glad you brought up millennials because what people don't understand about millennials and why millennials are a different generation is millennials were the first generation that grew up with the internet in the household. And then you look at Gen Z, Gen Z is the first generation that grew up with the mobile phone in the household. And there you go. So those two generations, they have no interest in, first of all, long form surveys. 
you know, the, back in the day, you know, it was mentioned earlier about filling out these 30 question surveys. Since they grew up in the age of the internet, they're about instant gratification and they're not about sitting around forever and just talking about one topic. They want to communicate with brands the same way you and I communicate, where you're going to ask me a couple questions about the restaurant I went last night and then we're going to move on. You're not going to ask me 30 questions about the restaurant I went to last night, maybe three. And then maybe later you ask me a follow up question. And that's how we like to inter interact with consumers. Um, we like to um, solicit feedback from consumers in the way they like to give it. Um, and that's being much more progressive, being mo mobile focused, being very short form, being very gamified in our approach. And that's why we have such um, a rampant uh, base of users that love logging on every single day and giving our customers the needed feedback. So, uh, Matt, earlier I heard a little bit of uh, what's very common in design thinking, which is this idea of identifying the persona's journey, but also you talked about the the experience journey. How do you guys set up clients to succeed with the platform? Do you assist them with setting up the problem statement that they're trying to resolve through this research? How does that work? I'm so glad you asked that. Um, so online market research, although it's kind of like a no-brainer, is still very much a nascent tactic within organizations. Many of these organizations that have been around for decades traditionally have outsourced their market research to agencies. And when new software products, and there's some brilliant uh, you know, new market research software products that came out 10 to 15 years ago, uh, two of which being Qualtrics, which has since been acquired by SAP and then spun out and recently went IP on their own, and a company called SurveyMonkey, which recently was acquired last week. Um, both those companies had the benefit of first mover advantage. Uh, they were the first online market research tools. However, what they didn't really focus on is helping these large enterprises through the digital transformation of understanding actually how to use these tools. And that's everything from how to, how to ask the questions, to how to visualize the data, to how to extract insights from the data, which you know are the basis for your decision making. What we've done with our organization since we've launched is we've really invested heavily in our managed services group. So at Suzy, we have a group called the Market Research uh, Center of Excellence. And that group is made up of lifelong market research experts who really guide our customers through the journey of being able to use a tool like Suzy and make sure that you're answering the question, asking the questions the right way, targeting the right audiences, that you have a system set up to accurately analyze the data when it comes back and then distribute it throughout your organization so you can essentially get the most out of it and truly be a customer-centric organization. Brilliant. Matt, <clears throat> we're talking about democratizing market research. And before we, in the conversation we were having prior to going on the air, you mentioned that it was about democratizing, but internally at the, uh, at a, at the company itself, yeah. right? All right. So my question to you is this. How do you, um, I'm, I hope I'm using the right term here. How do you evangelize to companies that have not adopted this democratization of their market research internally sure. to foster adoption? Sure. Well, what we really try to do is add value. To, to clients that we want to do business with. So that means if we see they launched a product, we're going to do research on that product right away for them without them paying us, just basically to try to understand things about their products that they might not know on their own. And we will share that information with them and enlighten them. And they ask, they'll always ask us, how do we uncover it? And we tell them, it's through Susie, you want to see the product. And once our prospects see the product, there's kind of this well moment where they they get it and they realize mm -hmm. it's sort of a missing 
linked to their overall operating strategy. Um, and then it's just about, you know, going through the motions of building trust and a relationship with them over time where ultimately they become customers. Um, I also do a lot of, you know, interviews like this and go on stage and go to industry conferences as well as some of my other, um, fellow executives at Susie to make sure that we are a brand that people know about and trust. And those two things combined have really been a big driver of our success. All right. Thank you, Matt. I, I really like the, uh, the, the way you've set up the business model. And part of the challenge has always been SaaS companies are under pressure by investors to be very product centric because that drives the valuation. They don't want a whole lot of services. They try to bring outside parties to the services so that yeah. they don't have the mix of revenue that dilutes the valuation. That's a real issue for a lot of SaaS companies. And service companies are always trying to have a leg up on the competition, trying to have something that gives them uh, some some uh, value that can add to the market, which often they adopt the product. So how are you guys marrying these two, sure. which is brilliant, by the way, because sometimes you need that concierge to help yeah. set things up. How yep. is that working out? Great question. Are you getting pushback from investors or no, even clients no. who are not used to yeah. that model? How's that? So first out? of all, we have a great group of investors who really believe in what we're doing and trust um, our vision and our ability to execute. And we've definitely paid that off for them. Um, when, when we look at services as an overall mix, uh, we look at two things. First of all, we look at scalability. And second of all, we look at gross margin impact. Um, and on the scalability front, the way that we kind of mitigate issues with scalability, because ultimately the reason services aren't worth as much is that they're people-based, is that we productize our service offerings. So we're not doing custom work for customers that are one-offs. We have a sort of um, modules of service offerings that we do over and over and over again. And when we do those modules, we use other sometimes third-party technologies so we can kind of systematize it. So we're able to deliver services at scale without relying on continuing to hire experts, new experts every time we scale our business. Um, on the gross margin front, we manage the business very carefully to really be at that sweet spot of about 70 to 75% gross margins, which is really what you're looking for um, at, in, right down the fairway as a SaaS company. And we've been able to achieve those gross margins um, over time. And, you know, services are still less than 15% of our overall revenue, where some of our competitors that are publicly traded, their reporting services are 20 to 25% of their overall revenue. So we still think that we still have a lot, you know, a lot of room to integrate services even more to our overall product offering. Really? It sounds like you've productized the service part too. Yep. I think you have to do that as a software company. Otherwise, yeah. you're an agency and you're just a tech-enabled yeah. service. And that, mm -hmm. th that can be seductive at the beginning, but over time, it can really hurt you as you try to scale. It'll bite you later. <laughs> yep, sure will. <laughs> Go ahead, Kim. Your service, your product, you've got that streamlined. Where's the proof that's in this pudding? Obviously, we've got NDAs and privacy that you need to respect, but can you provide us with any type of case studies or real-life examples of how Suzy has helped positively impact uh, companies, the people that you So, I mean, we don't know always how our clients are using Susie because we're a software company. We're giving them the tool and they're using it. Um, what I can tell you is that um, we retain over 125% uh, revenue on a net basis every year, which means net of wow. churn and downsell. We're at 125 net revenue retention, which essentially means we're growing 25% next year without adding any new customers. Um, and that wouldn't be the case if we weren't really delivering. Um, our customers have launched new products that have um, been you know, mentioned on their annual earnings 
earnings reports. We have some customers that are using Suzy to test their Super Bowl spots for the upcoming Super Bowl. We have other customers that are using Suzy to dictate uh, which celebrities they want to put in, in upcoming ads. So it's really being used now for very high value, mm -hmm. high profile decisions within organizations. Wow. And limitless, really. You yeah. could use Susie for anything. Just as if you can imagine it, Susie can do it. Yep. That's a I'm just tagline. curious about uh, whether design <laughs> studios You're or welcome. agencies are also yes. leveraging this to do feasibility studies to validate new product. Are they leveraging this as well? Yep. We're working with all the largest ad agency holding companies, working with huge consultancies, folks like KPMG, Accenture, Deloitte, et cetera. These companies are using Suzy, first of all, to help them win new business. So if they're coming up with a business concept, they're validating it with data while they pitch it. So instead of saying, we think it's a good idea, they're saying your customer thinks it's a good idea, right? Um, and they're also using it to actually work on those customers once they win them. So we're, we're, we're being used by a lot of agencies. We're being used by hedge funds that are using us um, to do um, diligence on investments um, by you know equity analysts on Wall Street. Um, it's really being used across the board. Brilliant. I like it. Before I move on to the culture topic or section of today's talk, I do have a question about what your customers actually thinking. I think earlier in the call, you were mentioning Zoom. So as we're actually, what's the real time, the actual speed of what's rolling out here? Like as we're discussing and decision-making, we can see numbers rolling That's in. That's right. Or That's right. Yep. So you, if you asked the question, wow. uh, you know, you went to target consumers and you said, what three words come to mind when you think of, you know, the brand Nike, literally you'd have a word cloud forming during the discussion and you'd have three to 400 open-ended answers within the first you know, 20 to 30 minutes that you ask the question. Um, so that's how highly engaged our audience is. So it's literally instant. Um, we also recently rolled out something called Suzy Live, which allows our customers to connect the quant to the qual. So you can take quantitative research, um, asking people, you know, what, what brand of, um, you know, shampoo they like the best. And if they answer brand X, you can go back to that subset and invite them to uh, do live one-on-one -on -one in depth interviews. So there's a zoom like interface where the consumers can sign up. It's a moderated interview where the customer can actually talk to the consumers and actually ask them why they chose that product and what they like about it. Um, and wow. recently we also launched Suzy home, which is in-home usability testing, where it allows our customers mm. to send physical products to consumers, whether it's food and beverage products, consumer packaged goods that you you can, they can actually use or unbox or test right in front of the customer. So there's some major brand loyalty going mm. on here as well. And uh, going back to millennials and cell phones and today's day and age, Instagram, whatever, this really also benefits companies well beyond the research and going into, I guess, the marketing side of what yeah. they do. Yeah, I mean, the reality is the scale of uh -huh. research is, you know, you're not talking millions of people, you know, for you to have a statistically significant, you know, sample size, you need to be in the hundreds or thousands. So it's not really a marketing channel. It really is to sort of extract insights from a small subset that you can extrapolate towards larger audiences. All right. So it sounds as though even for seasonal focused businesses, this is like a key yep. differentiator for them could give them a competitive advantage. You have the holidays coming up. Everybody's trying to think, what should we put on the shelf? Why should we put those right. Although right now, the, all those decisions. How do we price them? Made. Right? What? Right now, all the holiday decisions have obviously already been made. Uh, but more right. of our customers are planning for next holiday season. But I understand your point. And I agree with it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But you can plan those kinds of things. Yep. Absolutely. Go ahead, Carlos. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matt, we, we are approaching the final segment of today's show. And I wouldn't want to end it without asking you 
specifically, let's move on to the to Suzy specifically as a company. We might have people out there watching the show who I don't know who could be uh, uh, engineers or UX designers or whatever, and they might want to come work for you at some point. So, what would you say to these people? in regards to what makes Suzy a great company to work for. Yeah, What's, I mean, yeah. So I think we've been fortunate enough to have very high retention and really recruit um, in some incredible professionals join our organization. I think a couple of reasons why is, first of all, we invest heavily in culture. That's everything from making sure that people enjoy their place of work, whether it's remote or in an office environment, to making sure the equipment they need, to making sure they have proper and ample training, um, to making sure they have room for advancement. Uh, we don't really believe in tenure as a limiting factor for advancement in our company, meaning we've taken people in their 20s and we promoted them to levels that they normally wouldn't have um, you know, at other companies, unless they were there for 10, 15, 20 years, uh, we're moving very fast. We're well funded. And it also gives people the, the ability to work with the biggest and most prominent brands in the world. Do you happen to use Thank Suzy so much. internally? Like for your, what do you, what would you like to have for, I don't know, dinner at the Christmas party or something? Like, are you able to utilize your own? Well, you can. Internally? I mean, it's not really a core use. One, one okay. reason we've been very successful at Suzy is we focused. You know, we've had so many opportunities to do so many different things. And, you know, I think success in business is as much about what you say no to as what you say yes to. And we've re really been focused at creating products and tools for these large enterprise companies. And that's really been a huge reason why I think we've been able to remain successful through all this. Really good point. You've got a great tagline in there too. <laughs> Just as, as part, what you say no to is what you say yes to. Love it. True. All right. So it looks like Tulio's got to be on mute. Landscapers are there making some noise. <laughs> <laughs> So great. So as we're wrapping up today, I think, um, Matt, you've come a long way. Suzy is, sounds like an amazing company, completely relevant. Uh, if you could do something differently, if you looking back, knowing what you know now, yep. what, what would you change? Um, I think it would have made some bolder decisions or, or along the way. I think it would have focused more on technology-oriented businesses earlier in my career versus service-oriented business because they are so very scalable. And I would probably also focus much more on building a large sustainable network um, of people across different industries earlier in my career um, versus just focusing on people who could help me in the moment. Nice. On that same thread, what have you done right? Um work hard, um, really try to be um, opportunistic. When an opportunity pops up, I, I never really let it slip through my fingers. So you have to sense opportunity because oh, people have opportunity right uh, all the time, right in front of their eyes, but they just don't go for it. So I think being opportunistic, I think partnering and hiring great people and empowering those people has been another thing I've done right and really just loving what I do. Matt, uh, well, I hope you can hear me. I know that I'm freezing sometimes, but... Uh, You're good, Carlos. I, yeah, okay, thank you. I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, we're about to wrap up, and of course, I meant to ask you this from the very beginning. Let's just go with the name. Why yep. Zuzi? Where did it come from? So it's a funny question. I knew I wanted to name the company um, a, a, in a way that was human because I looked at tools like Watson and Siri and Alexa, and it was clear that people were becoming, you know, very personal with how they use technology. Um, so I knew I wanted to go in that direction. And um, I'm a fan of this rock band here in the U.S. called Fish. Um, and they have a song called Susie Greenberg. And I was at one of their concerts at Madison Square Garden in New York, and they played the song and a light bulb went off my head. That should be the name. <laughs> 
And it's really that simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's totally easy plus to remember. Huh? Plus, yeah. there have been studies that show the shorter the name, the higher the value. Yeah, and, and we were able happens, to purchase the URL. Yeah, we're able to purchase the URL. And when you Google it, there's no other companies there. So it has to be ownable. It has to be memorable. And you know, if you can own the digital ecosystem of that name, then it really doesn't matter what the name is. You build the brand behind it. All right, so we're almost up on time, Matt. I have one final question, and that is, you know, with within the political landscape, are are there uh, folks using this to better understand what actually matters to people? Uh, that is one area that we steer clear of. We do not get involved. Yeah, yeah we do not get involved. And, and one main reason why is that although they could use this and actually get closer <laughs> to understanding what people really want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so we're we're a subscription business. We charge annual licenses, so um, you know, political campaigns usually are just one and done. Uh, so it doesn't really fit into our business model either. Got it. Excellent. Well, it's one been observation great to have as you. we Go ahead, Kim. as a millennial, I don't know if anybody watching this can relate, but this was this huge thing when we were kids. We would make that like simple S smile. Like you do the three lines and then you connect it and you cross over. And that completely looks like the S of Susie's logo. It resonates with me. I'll have to show you an image. I'll put it up. I'll post it on LinkedIn, Dojo Live. Completely millennial S, I have to tell you. It's great. Yeah, very cool. It's very cool. Well, congratulations, Matt. Sounds like you guys are off to the races with some really amazing offering that every brand really needs. So uh, we, we wish you a lot of success. And luck. Uh, stay with us as we go off the air in just a minute. Uh, Carlos, what do we got coming up for the rest of the week? Two more shows, Tulio. Tomorrow, Chris Berg, the CEO and head chef, not chief, but chef of, of Data Kitchen. The topic is deliver better analytics faster with data ops. And then on Thursday, we'll be speaking with Mark Ruddock, the CEO of Nula. The topic will be the intersection of data and design, reimagining small business financial services. That's what we have right here on Dojo Live for the rest of the week. All right, everybody, have fun. Come back tomorrow at 12 o'clock Pacific. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.